Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, we're starting a new series. Uh, it's called Off the Bench. If you didn't know it, you, we have a banner outside. Uh, us as a team, office team, we were talking about our new series, and we were just wanting to have some fun, and especially during this time right now with with the, with the football going on, we thought, hey, let's call this series Off the Bench. And we did it for a reason. The urban definition for off the bench is, refers to someone who's getting into the game. They're, they're playing to win. It kind of goes along with the whole sports idea. If you're off the bench, it means that you're in the game. If you're sitting on the bench, it means that you're waiting for the opportunity to get into the game. And as Christians, we should be getting into the game. We should be getting off the bench and into the game. The bench itself represents kind of a long seat that's designed. I remember in my day when I was a kid, we used to have hard pews, not padded pews, hard pews. And they were long, and when you'd put your head down on there, I'd fall asleep as a kid when my dad was preaching. Don't tell my dad that, but I was little. And, and I remember waking up, and there was a big, big old knot on the back of my head because my head was on that hard pew. And the whole idea of a bench gives you this idea. If you're sitting on a hard bench, really, if you sit there too long, it's going to get uncomfortable. It's just, it's just there for a rest. It's just there for a moment. But we're supposed to be getting into the, get, into the game off the bench. A while back, I was talking with some guys, and we were just having some discussion and uh, one of the guys made a comment that he felt like in his Christian service that he was like a player who was sitting on the bench, who was, who was waiting to be called into action. And it sparked the idea for this sermon series. How do I spiritually engage in Christian service? How do I get into the game so that my life, God working through my life, can make a difference? And as I was praying about this series, I really felt the Lord just impress upon me for this series, talk about the life of Joseph. And so that's what we're going to talk about for this series, Off the Bench, over the never, next several weeks. And I'm not referencing the Joseph who was the earthly father of Jesus. I'm res- referencing the Joseph that is found in the Old Testament. He was a patriarch and a servant of God. Joseph of the Old Testament Um, had a crazy lineage. His father was Jacob, his grandfather was Isaac, and his great-grandfather was Abraham. Now think about that, having your great-grandfather as Abraham. Joseph was the second youngest of 12 sons, and he was the most loved, according to Scripture, he was the most loved by his father Jacob, and also the most hated by his brothers. Joseph's life story is a story of redemption, and it represents God's faithfulness through all situations and through all circumstances. Really, Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Christ in the New Testament. It, 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 in the New Testament, it basically represents redemption and grace. It's a story of how God can use every part of our life for His purpose and for His glory. It's a story of God taking what the enemy had planned for evil, and God turning that around for good. That's the story of Joseph. It's learning how to take every opportunity that God gives you and turning that, out, turning that around to the very best. Because if we have God in our lives, guess what? It might look bad on the surface, 
But God can take that situation and use it for his glory. Let's begin today. And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 37. And it's really the beginning of Joseph's story. I'm not going to read the entire chapter to you today because just for the sake of time. So I'm going to highlight some things. But I encourage you sometime today, sit down. Open up your Bible. How many have Bibles here? Do you have Bibles here? Come on, come on. And if you have the old school Bible, actually one with paper, open it up. Use that Bible and read through Genesis 37. It's a story that we're talking about today. And if you want to skip ahead in this series, guess what? Just go ahead and read most of the rest of that Genesis there and you'll, you'll, hear, you'll read about the life of Joseph. But we start today in the story where Joseph is 17 years old. Joseph worked alongside his half-brothers as a shepherd. Now the Bible states that Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of the other sons. He was his favorite son. And it says that because he was born in, in, in Jacob's old age. But there's also, I believe, it's because uh, Joseph was born from his wife that he loved, which was Rachel. One day Jacob presented Joseph and you been in church for any time and you grew up in church, you probably have heard the coat of many colors, which I don't know if the Bible actually says the coat of many colors, but it says about a beautiful robe or about a beautiful coat. All of a sudden, Jacob shows up and he presents to his youngest son at that point, Joseph, this beautiful coat in front of all the other brothers. And all of a sudden, all the other brothers begin to hate who Joseph is. And that's where we're going to pick up the story from here. It's a story where we're entering into the story where Joseph has a dream that was given to him by God. Verse chapter 5 of Genesis 37. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think that you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well. As to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down or bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that the word that has been read will touch our heart and our lives. I pray, Lord God, it will stir something in us like never before. I pray, God, that that you would take that word along with the Holy Spirit, make it alive in our hearts. And, Lord God, we will walk away today, Lord God, impacted and changed by your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Soon after Joseph's dream, Jacob sent Joseph to go check in on his brothers. 
Now, his brothers were out shepherding into the fields, and they were not necessarily close to home. In fact, Jacob lived in the valley of Hebron, and where Joseph, or where Jacob was sitting, Joseph was in Shechem. It was about a 75-mile journey, so it would take him, take Joseph several days, but he was sent out by Jacob to go check on his brothers. And we're going to pick up the story here again in Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 through 20. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they, re- they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let me summarize what happens next. Instead of the brothers ending up killing Joseph by throwing him in the cistern or killing him or whatever took place in that place, they all of a sudden saw this caravan of Midianites that were traveling down the road to Egypt. When they saw the caravan, one of the brothers got this bright idea. He said, hey, instead of just killing Joseph, let's profit off of him. So they didn't, they didn't kill him. They ended up taking Joseph and they, they sold him to these traders, these Midianite traders, and they got money for Joseph and they sent Joseph into the land of Egypt. To cover up the entire story, they decided, because you know, anytime you make a sin or anytime you do something wrong, usually it requires a cover-up. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you were having to cover up, and you just could dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. So they had to cover up what took place. So they decided to kill a young goat, and they took the blood of that young goat, and they poured it all over that beautiful robe that Jacob had given his son Joseph. They poured that blood all over there, messed it all up. They gave it to one of his servants, and they sent, them, sent that servant back to Jacob's home, and that servant presented this robe to Jacob. When Jacob saw the robe, he immediately recognized it was Joseph's. And he immediately assumed that Joseph was killed and eaten by a wild animal. The Bible says that he mourned, Jacob mourned over the loss of his son, and no one could cheer him up. And the scripture says that he, that he basically uh, would go to his grave mourning Joseph. I want to conclude our story today with the very last verse that's in this chapter, verse 36 of chapter uh, 37. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. Three thoughts that I want to share with you from this story today in our whole idea of off the bench. The first thought is this. Dreaming is the first step to getting off the bench. Dreaming is the first step to getting off the bench. I say this in a... Or getting on the bench. I'm saying it wrong. Dreaming is the first step to getting on the bench. I say this in a positive way and not in a negative way. I know our series is called Off the Bench. But as we were actually discussing as a staff, we thought about this whole process. You know, before you can get off the bench, you have to get on the bench. You have to be a part of the team. And this whole idea of Joseph, that dream started the whole process of where Joseph was getting on a team, where Joseph was getting on the bench. We've all had dreams and aspirations of what we want to do in life. And just accomplishing the first step of getting on a team can be so rewarding. I remember as a kid, um, 
I joined Little League. How many played Little League here? Anybody played Little League baseball? So I was in Little League baseball. And I remember it was Lindell Park in Edmonds, Washington is where everybody would gather and they had the different fields. And there was three different levels when I was a kid. There was second farm, which was where the coaches would pitch the ball. There was first farm where, they, where you got to, you know, duck and watch out because these kids were all wild pitching the ball at you. And then there was the majors. And, you know, I was playing on second farm and I remember looking over to the field where the, where the players were on the majors, where they were playing. Because in second farm, there was no fences. When you hit the ball, we just go wherever it was. There was really no foul lines, no, nothing like that. It was, it, and the bases were there, but, you know, the, 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 the diamond, it was a little rough. The dirt was a little, had a lot of rocks in it. It was a little rough. But, man, when you looked over to the field where the majors played... Oh my goodness, it was pristine. It had fences all the way around the, the baseball field. In fact, the, the back fence was a wood fence, and it had all the advertisements that were on that back fence. It was, I remember it was green, and, and all the people that would support the Little Leagues would be able to put their advertisement on the back fence. And when someone hit the ball, and I'd be in, playing over there in the outfield of the, in Second Farm, and I'd hear someone hit the ball, and I'd look over to the majors, and I could watch the ball fly out of the park, you know, over the fence. I thought, I want to do that. I want to be on that. You can actually see that. Mine, when I hit it, you couldn't see go over the fence. The other thing was, man, I was ready to get rid of just a shirt with a logo. You know what I mean? Just all we had was a shirt with a logo. The majors had the entire uniform. I mean, they had the jersey, they had the pants, they had the belt. They, back in my day, they had the socks. They, they were those stirrup socks, you know. They, had, they, they were cool. I, wanted, I was dreaming. I want to be a part of that team. I want to be on the majors. What I didn't realize, that that dream would come to, realize, uh, come to fruition sooner than I expected. Because that next year, the majors actually had a, uh, they did, they had a shortfall of kids, and, and I was a huge fourth grader. I mean, I looked like a fifth and sixth grader. So it wasn't because I was that talented, but they just decided, hey, let's move Westerfield up into the majors because we need more kids in the majors. And majors were kind of re- really reserved for fifth and sixth graders, and I was a fourth grader, and I thought I was hot stuff. I mean, I thought I was a legend in my own mind. I mean, when I walked into my fourth grade class, I am the only fourth grader on the majors. All these rest of these guys were in first farm. I'm thinking, no, I'm in the majors. I used to dream about the opportunity to play on that field, dream about the opportunity to put that uniform on. So when I found out I was in the majors, man, here's the thing. It didn't even matter that I played. I was just grateful to be on the team. I didn't even care that if I was sitting on the bench, I was grateful to be a part of the team. I was amongst the all-stars. I share that story because many times the accomplishments of our lives begin with a dream. Some of those dreams are fulfilled and some of those dreams are realigned. But dreaming gives us hope and direction for our future. Can I share something with you? It's okay to dream. It's okay to dream. If you stop dreaming, I'm going to pray today that God will refresh it back into your spirit. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. We need to dream in our life. I know at times in life it can seem discouraging when we feel like we're sitting on the bench. 
But it's in those times that it's so important to remember, hey, at least you're on the team. At least you're a part of the team. Sometimes we forget that there's many people that wish they just could be on the team. Think of all the players. And I was thinking about this as we're coming into the Super Bowl weekend. Think of all the players who have Super Bowl rings who sat on the bench. Maybe they didn't hardly have any playing time. But because they were on the team, guess what? They still got a Super Bowl ring. They could still be called Super Bowl champions because they were on the team. Sometimes we forget that God has put us on a winning team. We're not on a losing team. And I'll tell you what, I'll sit on a bench on a winning team before I ever want to be a starter on a losing team. I want to be on the winning team. For example, Joseph's brothers were so concerned that they would be under Joseph's authority that they mocked him and they hated him. Even Jacob, Joseph's own father, was taken back by Joseph's dream. They never thought about the team. They never thought about what God was doing in Joseph's life and how that could affect them. All they could think about was, I am not going to serve under the authority of that little snot-nosed kid of mine, brother. I'm not going to serve under there. I'm, I'm better than he is. I don't care what dream that God has given him. I'm not going to do that. They got lost, and they, couldn't never, they could never see the dream that God had given Joseph. I'm sure the comments were flying amongst the brothers, and they were probably talking to each other. The arrogance of him. Can you believe that he would say that even to our father? It makes me wonder on how many God-given opportunities have been missed because we were unwilling to serve under an authority that God had put over us. I'm going to say it again because I think this is really important for us to catch this thought. Maybe God has put you in a situation with an authority over you that maybe you don't even like. But guess what? Maybe that's a part of God's, given, God's dream for your life. And he's waiting for you to get, catch, a, catch a hold of that idea and move forward with that dream. Many times our pride will interfere with God's plan. And the dreams are either delayed or they're forfeited. Remember, It's better to be on the bench of a winning team than to be on the wrong side of a losing team. For Joseph, his dream was the first step towards joining the team. Even if at first it was just sitting on the bench, never underestimate small beginnings. Don't underestimate small beginnings. There's a friend of mine who shares his story, how he was a custodian at 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 a Bible college. And then all of a sudden, he went from custodian to the president of the college. And it was all because he was willing to start and to serve. He began with small beginnings. But guess what? Because he was willing to serve, because he was willing to be faithful, because he was willing to do things that other people were not willing to do, guess what? He learned the system. He understood what the Bible college is all about. And pretty soon, he becomes on the board and becomes the president of that Bible college. But for Joseph's brothers, the God-given dream stirred hatred into their hearts. It led them to betray their brothers and to lie to their father. It provoked them to sell Joseph to that caravan of the Midianites' traders. And that decision, the decision for them to sell Joseph, their brother, to that caravan that was going down to Egypt, if you read through the rest of the story, you will discover that it brought much distress on the brothers. They felt guilty. They felt condemned by what they did to Joseph. 
And it also brought great, great pain to their father, Jacob. Jacob. They brought great pain to him because all of a sudden he thinks his, his son has been killed and his son is dead. Catch this thought. The caravan that ended up bringing a lot of pain to the brothers and to the father was the caravan that carried Joseph to his destiny. It was bringing Joseph to his destiny. The next thought I want to share with you is be wise with your God-given dreams. It's important to understand that Joseph was born. Man, Joseph was born into such a dysfunctional family. Any of you been in, live in a dysfunctional family? Don't raise your hand. I told you not to raise your hand. Let me give you a quick little history, a narrative of Jacob's family, Joseph's family. In the Old Testament, it was common for a man to have more than one wife. I'm not declaring that as right. I'm not even declaring that as smart. Just not. When I read in Scripture, it always appears that the real trouble begins when a wife is added. That's just, all, that's just what I'm going to say. Nothing against you ladies, but men are only designed to have one woman who turns the neck. Any more than one, the man ends up with a broken neck. <laughs> Jacob was tricked into marrying two sisters, Leah and Rachel. Rachel he loved. He adored Rachel. But he was tricked into marrying two sisters, Leah and Rachel, because the father had given him Leah in the darkness. He didn't realize it. And so, you know, it's that one, man, I don't think she's ever going to get married. I don't think she's ever, boy, they're so, let's give, him, let's give him Leah first. And then they'll make him work another seven years for Rachel as well. And so Jacob gets, he gets, you know, tricked into this whole thing, and he marries, he has two wives. God help him. It's the only way he's going to survive. But listen to the dysfunction of this family. Rachel was not able to have children. And so now all of a sudden, the only one that's producing children is Leah, his other wife. The one that he really didn't love, he, won, he just kind of brought in. But she's the one that's producing the sons. And she's having son after son after son. And then all of a sudden, Rachel's getting jealous of Leah because Leah's having all the children. And all of a sudden, Rachel decides that she's going to bring her maid into Jacob's quarters and have Jacob sleep with the maid. True, the Bible is really interesting, guys, if you read it. So all of a sudden now, Jacob has two sons by this maid, Rachel's maid. Well, then all of a sudden, Rachel, or, uh, 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 Leah's getting jealous, and, and Leah's no longer able to have children. So she decides to bring her maid into Jacob's court. True story. So all of a sudden now, Jacob has two more sons by Leah's maid. It keeps going, keeps getting better. Now Leah, all of a sudden, she's able to start having kids again. So she's having kids. Now if you follow this whole story along, the only one that's not having kids is Rachel. She's the one that's being left out. And she's the one that Jacob loves the most. All of a sudden, God looks upon Rachel. He sees her distress. By the grace of God, he opens up her womb, and Rachel is able to have a son, and they named him Joseph. Now, you just heard about a really dysfunctional family, so I never want to hear any more complaints about your family, okay, ever again, because this is dysfunction, and it's found right in the Old Testament. 
I share this part of the story because I think it helps us to understand why it was so unwise for Joseph to share his dream to his brothers. Because remember, all of his brothers were either born by mates or by Leah. Joseph, at this point, at this time, is the only one who is the son of Rachel, who was the most loved by his father Jacob. So when all the brothers looked at Joseph, they felt less than. From the very beginning, they felt less than. And Joseph shares his, this dream to his brothers. And it just poured greater fuel onto their existing jealousy. Yet if you read to the end of the story, you will discover that God ends up taking up this whole situation and he ultimately turns it around for their good. But this is a great reminder for us. And I want you to catch this thought. Sometimes we have to be careful with whom we share our dreams. Don't just blurt your dreams out just to anybody. If it's a God-given dream, be careful with who you... Because here's the thing. That God-given dream to you, man, can uplift you. It can bring encouragement into your heart. It can be exciting. But when shared out to someone else, guess what? It could cause jealousy. It could cause shame. It can cause disappointment. Be careful who you share your dreams worth with. Use wisdom. It can, it can save you from a lot of heartache. The last thought I want to share with you today is this. God's destiny will overpower the dysfunction of others. If we want to get onto the bench, if we want to get onto the team, and sometimes, man, you just look at your family, and you look at the situations that you're going through, and you think, there's so much dysfunction in, in my whole situation. How can God ever use me? Maybe you're, just, you're looking at it and you come from a broken home, you come from a, a lot of drug addiction, you come from whatever situation that might take place. And you're going, man, how could God, maybe you have a learning disability and you've been struggling with that and it kind of runs through your family and then on top of that there's dysfunction in your family. You're wondering, how could God ever, you? and I want to declare to you today that there is no dysfunction in this world that will ever stop God's destiny for your life if you're willing to step out in faith and put your trust in him. Amen. God will overcome any dysfunction in this world Amen. if you're willing to put your trust in him. Amen. Serve him. Put him first in your life. Watch what will happen. I'm telling you right now today that I, I, this, I'm a product of that. Not that my family is so dysfunctional because I don't want them calling me today, okay? And say, what are you preaching on? no. What I'm saying is this. I was dysfunctional. I had problems. I had hang-ups. When I was a kid, I didn't even know how to communicate properly. I couldn't hear well. I felt like everybody was making fun of me. True story. All these things. I didn't even speak well. They couldn't, kids couldn't understand me. I've shared this story before. and I, I would just stop talking because I didn't like people laughing at me. And you would think about the dysfunction that goes through your mind at that. All of a sudden, these, all these things that start taking place, the, the inferior complex that you start to develop in your life, and you start to wonder, how could God ever use me? How could God ever use me? And I'm here to declare to you today, stop it. If God has given you a dream, he can overcome any dysfunction, any situation in your life. He wants you on the team. But we have to be willing to step out in faith, put our trust in God. I would have never thought that I would be someday, God would call me to be a preacher. I was never a preacher. I was an administrator. I was a person that loved to do the finances. I was a person that loved to be a part of the operations. 
Then all of a sudden, God started putting a dream in my heart. Hey, I want you to lead as a pastor. I want, all of a sudden that started, but God, how could that, you know my confidence. You know I struggle with that in times, especially when I'm in front of people. And yet God started breaking that down because I'm telling you here today, God's power can overcome any dysfunction in your life if you were willing to step out in faith and put your trust in him. For Joseph, I was thinking about all the things that he was having to go through, all the difficulties. He must have felt like his life was in shambles. His brothers hated him. They hated him so much, they wanted to kill him. Now, we might have said that to our brother, but we never really wanted to do it. They wanted to kill him. And even worse than that, instead of killing him, they decided, you know what? Let's just profit off of his body. Let's sell him to those Midianite traders. Let's just get, let's make a profit out of him. His life must have felt like it was going into complete shambles. He was on his way to Egypt. He had to be thinking about the family that he was loved by as far as his father and his mother, Rachel. He was given the coat. He probably was thinking about the inheritance that someday that he would inherit as he got older from his father the things that were going to take place in his future. And instead of ever realizing some of that at that point, in that moment, guess what? He finds out that he's going to be sold as a slave. Talk about a life that's going into shambles. It had to be complete devastation for him. Yet if you read further into the story, you discover that God uses that caravan to deliver Joseph to his destiny. Forget about all the trials, the tribulations that Joseph will have to soon face. Joseph is on the team. Joseph is on the team. Sometimes you might think, man, why am I going through all these trials, tribulations, all these difficulties? Why is God putting me through all... Stop it. You're on the team. You're there. You're on the bench. Get to the bench. At least get on the team. The first step to making a difference is getting on the bench. Making a difference. In the weeks to come, you'll hear about how God raises Joseph to the second in command over all of Egypt. Joseph goes from a pit, the cistern, that his brothers had thrown him into. He goes from that pit and he becomes second in command over all of Egypt. He goes from the pit to the palace. And I share that word for some of you today because if you feel like you're in a pit and God has given you a dream, you hang on to that dream because God can transform your situation and bring you into the palace. You just gotta have faith and put your trust in him. It all began by Joseph getting onto that bench and waiting for God's plan to unfold. Joseph really had no idea how his dream would become reality, but God had a plan, and his plan went way beyond Joseph's imagination. Many times we think we know God's purpose, but in reality the purpose has so much more greater meaning than we could ever understand. In the midst of it, we don't get it, We know that maybe God's working, but we can't see how it's going to all all unfold. We're not omnipotent. 
We're not omniscient. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He can see the future where you cannot. He knows what's best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for your future, what's best for others. And he's going to use you to make a difference in other people's life if you're willing to step out in faith. Today, I encourage you to be faithful with your God-given dreams. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Because God's plan is greater than your plans. Get on the team. God's given you a dream and you've let that die. And you know it's a God. I'm not talking about dreams because you've had pizza too late at night. Those dreams, let them go, man. Just let them go. Those aren't the dreams to hang on to. But I'm talking about those dreams that God's given to you. And you know it's from God. And you've gotten discouraged. All of a sudden it starts feeling hopeless. I'm telling you, hang on to the dreams. Don't be discouraged. If you remain faithful, God will bring those dreams that he's given to you to fruition if you're willing to step out in faith. Get on the team. Let God do the rest. Maybe you have that dream of being a teacher. Or maybe you have a dream of having a husband or of a wife. And you are like, man, how is this ever going to happen? Maybe you want to have children or maybe go to college or maybe you want to start a business or maybe you have a dream job that you've been hoping that you've been able to accomplish or maybe you want to go to the mission field and you don't know how that's going to ever take place in your life. How am I going to ever have the range of finances, arrange all the, the dip? Hold to the dream. Be on the team. Let God do the rest of it in your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is powerful, it's effective, it changes our lives. I pray today, God, that you would use us in greater ways than we could ever imagine. I pray, Lord God, for each person here. Maybe they've had a dream and that dream is starting to fade. Maybe that dream, Lord God, has been, cold water has been put on it. Maybe they've had some brothers and sisters who mocked them. Maybe their own father and mother made, made fun of them. Maybe they've laughed at them. And maybe, Lord God, that dream is starting to die, but in their heart they know it was a dream that was given by you. I pray right now in Jesus' name that dream, Lord God, be restored. I pray, God, that it would be brought forward to the front, Lord God, that it would not be hidden anymore. And I pray, God, that they would recognize, Lord God, that they're on a winning team that they're not on a losing team, Lord. If they have that thought in their mind of failure, if they have that thought in their mind, Lord God, of, of future disappointment, God, I pray that they be broken, that they recognize, Lord God, when we're on your side, when we're not on your team, Lord God, Lord God, if you are for us, who could be against us? I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, refresh, revive, restore. Bring, Lord God, what was in the past of a dream that was broken, God, I pray that you bring it back to fruition. For God, with you, all things are possible. For that child, Lord God, that's, that's now an adult that's not serving you, and it seems hopeless, God, I pray that there'd be faith that would arise in that parent's heart, that they could dream again, that their son or their daughter would serve you. Let us not give up on the dreams that you've given us, I pray. I ask it in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, and I'm not going to ask for hands raised, but you've had a dream and it's been squashed in multiple ways, 
and you know that you're on God's team, but man, sometimes it feels like you're just all alone and you need hope today. I'm going to say a prayer. And as I say this prayer, I want you to believe with me and I want you to attach your heart, your dream in faith to what God can do in and through your life. Lord Jesus, I pray over each person here today. Those, Lord God, who have dreams, they know, who I'm, they know that I'm talking to them, Lord God. You know who they are. They've allowed a dream, Lord God, to fade away. Lord God, it's, it, it's just a faint glimpse of what it used to be. I pray today, God, that you would restore that in their lives. Restore it, Lord God. Restore the happy marriage that someone at one time wanted, Lord God, and it's fading away. Restore the job that was hoped for at one point, Lord God. Bring, Lord God, to the single person the love of their life, Lord God, that they so desperately want. I pray in Jesus' name that would take place. Lord God, you know the dreams. Let it take place. Let faith arise in their heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? God good? All the time. All the time, God is good. I believe that we're a church that God is going to use in amazing ways because we're creating an environment to see what God can do through each of one of our lives. And as you're a part of this series off the bench, we're believing, the other thing that we're believing as the process of this, this series off the bench is that people are gonna get more and more involved. They're wanting to serve, they're wanting to be a part of the team. If you're here today, welcome home. You're a part of our team. Don't get excited about that, okay? Let's try it again. If you're here today, welcome home. You're a part of God's team. Just making sure you're alive here today. You'll notice in your program today, there's a really cool card that says South Coast Volunteer, off the bench. And I'm not going to push this hard today. In the weeks to come, I'm going to talk more and more about it. It's going to be in the program every single week. And so as God is stirring in your heart, different dreams maybe in your life, I want also the dream of serving in the church. How can I make a difference? And when I say the church, part of it's inside the church building for a Sunday worship or Wednesday night. That's part of it. But beyond that, how do I serve in a greater way within my community, in my, in my workplace, at my school, amongst my friends? How do I make a difference? How can I change lives? How do I allow God to work through me and make a difference? And I'm believing for greater things than ever before. Keep an eye on that card because we're going to be talking about that in the near future. Next week, we're focusing on Genesis chapter 39. So if you want to skip ahead and read, I encourage you to do so. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.